this is Amy Impelizari, and welcome to Tall Poppy Writers Presents, I Know How This Book Ends, where we talk about the story behind the story of the biggest books out this year. Today, I have with me Hannah Mary McKinnon, the author of several amazing books, but the most recent one that we're going to talk about is You Will Remember Me. Hannah, I loved this book, and I'm so grateful that you're here today to talk to us about it. Uh, hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. So, okay. So we're going to talk about this book, but first we're going to talk a little bit about you. Hannah, um, you, uh, uh, we share something in common, which is that we came to writing um, after a sort of more, I guess, quote unquote, traditional corporate career. I was a corporate lawyer for many years and you were a corporate in corporate recruitment, right? And you left that that field to become a writer? Yes, that's correct. Yes, I left uh, when I was in Switzerland before I moved to Canada 11 years ago. I was the CEO of an IT recruitment company. And when we came here, I changed my career and, uh, and started writing books. And here we are, my fifth I know. Uh, is about to publish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And around 11 years ago, which is right around the time I was leaving the law too. So there must've been something <laughs> in the water There must have been <laughs> in Switzerland and New York city. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a good decision. I take it for you yes, and for me. For yeah. both of us. Right. And of course, your writing career started with your debut novel, Time After Time, which was published in June of 2016, um, which also like mine, like my own debut is a bit of a time bending story, right? A time bending romance. And, and, And then you moved to dark suspense. Is that a fair characterization of your genre now? Yes, I think I, I, with each book, I think each book becomes a little bit darker. So I'm definitely, definitely right. on the dark side now. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's right. I think every book, I, I am a huge fan. So I've read all your books and I think every book does oh, become you. a little darker, which I, I love, but you know, I, I've, I've met you, Hannah. I know you, <laughs> you are one of the sweetest, <laughs> lightest, brightest people I've ever met. <laughs> So, so you oh, have to you. tell us what you do to channel that inner dark side. How, how do you tap into it? And then what do you do to walk away from it a little bit <laughs> to go back to your normal life? <laughs> well, I think I've come to the realization that I like the dark side of suspense for a number of reasons. One of them is because I can write really gritty characters and, and really get into their psyche and, and put ordinary people into extraordinary circumstances and see what they might do and see what could or would happen or could happen because they're not real. That's one of the reasons. One of the other reasons I think is more personal and it's because I've always been a rule follower. I've never been a rule breaker. Uh I'm rubbish at breaking rules. I always follow the rules. Now, if if the kids come home with paperwork for school, I do it straight away or um, I need to do stuff on time. I'm, I'm very, very rarely late. It's, it's almost unheard of. But when I write suspense novels, I can explore what it's like to not be a rule follower. I can explore what it's like to be bad from the I safety of my own keyboard. You know, so it's not me, and no one's getting hurt. But it's just an exploration of well, what, what might that be like? And in terms of walking away from it. Sometimes it's difficult, honestly, when I was writing Sister Mm. Dear, uh, the one last year that published last year in 2020, I remember my husband, when I finished writing it, he said, oh, kind of glad you handed that in because Eleanor, the protagonist, she was following you around and she was, she was, you know, you, 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 
you think, you know what it's like. You think sure, about your you're living with them. Yeah. What are they doing? What are they saying? What are they thinking? How are they acting? What are they feeling? And so that that was a little bit difficult. We've had some very funny conversations, though, my husband and I. One of the most recent ones was when I, and don't try this at home, boys and girls, when I told him <laughs> that giving people, giving, I said, if you, did you know if you give somebody too much Benadryl, it can mess with their mind? And he said, this is a fictional person, right? I said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then about half an hour later, he's watching TV, and I went, walked over and I said, if someone's working under a car and, and they have the car jacked up, could you bump the car and would it fall on them? Could it crush them? And he said, yeah, depending on the jack. I said, ooh, tell me more. So I think he's a bit worried. <laughs> I'm sure your Google history is really um, can be something that probably uh is is frightening are you ex do you excessively clear your google history while you're writing books <laughs> no no i don't but i i did have a very interesting conversation with with fellow author bruce robert coffin who writes crime and is a retired um police detective sergeant and i was walking him through what my protagonist in the book for next year is doing and has done and at one point he paused and he said this is getting a bit scary because you thought of everything. So <laughs> to not get caught, that would be. So I spend an awful lot of time. I have spent an awful lot of time in this, both in books five, so you will remember me, and the one for next yeah. year, um, how to kill people and get away with it. So that's, that's not that I would ever do it, but it's right. quite interesting, really. It's <laughs> I just think that's so fabulous. Well, it's, well, let's talk old. about let's talk about this book. You will remember me because it is a really dark, interesting, twisty book. It, I, you know, I just one word just kept popping in my head as I was reading it, which was diabolical. It just has this really <laughs> fabulous um, feel to it. It's and, and again, you. you know, just knowing knowing you, Hannah, knowing you're such a, a nice person. <laughs> Also, <laughs> you sort think. of like unravel this story. It's so fun. It's such a great, it's such a great story. And of course, it begins with a man waking up on a beach, and he has no. We don't know who he is as the reader, yes. and he has no memory of who he yes. is. That's and right. then in the very next chapter, we meet Lily, whose boyfriend has just gone missing and is feared yes. drowned. And this sort of sets off a course of events in the narrative that the twist and unravel and interestingly take us from uh, Maryland to Maine and back yes. again. So I couldn't help but wonder about the setting and how you, Hannah, who were born in the UK, grew up in Switzerland, right? Now you live in Canada, how yes. you decided on the setting. How did you decide to write the story that takes us from Maryland to Maine in the United States and back again? <laughs> Well, my my first few books were so time after time and the neighbours they were set in the UK, and my where I've only lived four years I should I should add that real quick when I was little, but my editor asked me for the next one which was her secret son if I could set it in the US and I tried doing that with the neighbours, and I wasn't very comfortable because. I didn't think I had a handle on a, on a North American voice. I, I thought I'd be using too much slang and terminology and it, and it slowed me down. So I moved it all back to the UK. But when she asked me to set one in the US, I thought, okay, 
I'll do that, but I'll make the protagonist a Brit because I'm not quite ready to have an all uh, North American cast. But in terms of the setting, Maine is because I have family in New Brunswick. My husband's Canadian, and so when we go and visit them, we drive generally, <laughs> pre-COVID times, we would drive through the US, through Maine. And I really liked it, and we, we I planned a road trip, so it took us, made the trip three days instead of two, and we stopped off in Portland so I could have a look. And that became the place where I started setting books. So Her Secret Son, uh, Sister Dear, and You Will Remember Me. And Maryland was because I haven't actually been to Maryland, but I needed somewhere that was, uh, and I, I can't, I won't reveal why, but I needed somewhere that was strategically far away enough that you wouldn't necessarily catch something on the local news, mm-hmm. but close enough that you could drive relatively easily. So that right. was why I chose Mary. I, I, I Googled a lot. I, I asked Brad uh, Brad Spoon from Audio Shelf as well, because he lives in Maryland. So I asked him a lot, lots of questions about swimming in the ocean and the temperature and things like that. So <laughs> I did some well, research online. As someone who has spent a lot of time in Maryland, that was totally believable. I would never have believed that you would, that you hadn't been to Maryland. So, oh, so good on you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's so that's so great. So this story, so how did this story come to you? Um were you did it come to you pretty pretty soon after finishing Sister Dear or is it something that's been lingering for a little while? Uh I actually it, it came to me after I'd handed in I think I'd handed in the first draft of Sister Dear and I needed to outline the next one. I think that was round about the timing of it. And the idea came from a story that I'd heard on the news that you might be familiar with. A gentleman a couple of years ago from Toronto was in Lake Placid on a ski hill and he went missing. He just he just disappeared. And they were searching for him on the ski hill and the ski resort, the surrounding areas. And about five or six days later, he showed up in Sacramento in his ski gear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and he had no idea how he got there. I think I think he remembered his wife's number or he remembered something. And he found his his wife and he didn't know how he got there. He 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 was apparently he was in a in a in a truck. Somebody gave him a lift, but they never came forward. So he he's lost those days. He doesn't really know what happened. He had amnesia. Uh, and he's fine. He got home and everything's fine and everything worked out. But it made me wonder, well what if of course, as a suspense writer, right, what if things right. went wrong? You know, what if what if you don't remember who you are and you find your way he- your way home and you realize you've walked straight back into the dragon's den? What then? So yeah. that was that was where the idea came from. Oh, I think that's so interesting. Of course, you did have a, a British character, so uh, yes. you know th- that that's familiar to us from from prior novels. That, yes. that feels like a Hannah Mary McKinnon novel, right? <laughs> Even though it's the setting is different, so that's fabulous. Yes. But these characters, I mean, there's so many twists and turns here, and there's so many secrets and so many lies. Yes. And I know I've talked to you about this in the past. You are a, a tremendous outliner of your novels. And in fact, you have inspired me. Oh, I have really you. learned a lot from you about outlining novels. And and I know that you were inspired by the Potstormers course. And I've taken that course myself. And I just really yes. admire your how you tackle the novel from the outset. So I'm sure that this 
novel was was highly outlined, but I still have to believe it was hard to keep track of what was true and what wasn't. <laughs> is, that, well, is that, am I right or no? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you a secret. So when I wrote Sister Dear, I had outlined it and I wrote it and it was, it wasn't easy because writing a book is never easy and I don't think anyone <laughs> should ever believe that it is. But it, it, it felt easier than the previous ones I'd written. It, the character was there, the story was there, it, it worked. Yes, there was a lot of work to do on it, but it felt, I felt like I was in control. And I thought to myself, oh, I like that. Felt like I was in control. Well, well, hang on. There's a twist, of course. <laughs> so I remember thinking, brilliant. I feel comfortable. Four books in, I know what I'm doing. Bring it on, book five. And then <laughs> book five arrived. And it kicked me in the crotch. It really, it was a hard book to write. And the reason why was I'd outlined it. I'd done everything as before. I'd outlined it. I had the points of view. I had my bullet pointed chapters. The flow all worked. But what I hadn't realized was how truly, truly difficult it is to write a protagonist who doesn't know their history. Because you can't give them a memory. You can't give them a flashback. And you can't have every character saying to them, let me sit you down and tell you all about your history because it's boring. It doesn't work that way. Right. So that was, uh, I think if you have a character who has amnesia as a, and, and you're not telling the story from their point of view, or if you're, if you tackle it like Ruth Ware did in, uh, in A Dark Dark Wood, where she had the flashbacks, then you can backfill the person's history. But I couldn't do that. I chose not to do that. I don't know why I chose not to do that because I like to make things <laughs> difficult for myself, I suppose. Um, but it was that part. I, I remember sitting down writing. The first chapter was fine. But then when I got into the, the character who has amnesia into his point of view chapters, I thought, oh, oh. But I can't. going to be tricky. I can't say anything about X, Y, Z that happened. I can't. He doesn't know. And oh no, what am I going to do? And it was also a bit too, the initial version was a bit too convoluted. I, I, I wasn't sure I had a handle on opioid because there is an opioid element to it. And, and it was a lot more convoluted than it became. Uh, in the end, it was a hard book to write. I, I will not lie. It was, it was a tricky one. I, I'm not going to lie. Well, okay. You're making me feel a little better because I was thinking to myself, wow, I mean, Hannah's obviously her, her outlining skills have just become so, so honed that this was probably so easy for her. And of course, you know, as a, uh, no. I always read as a, I always say, I always read as a writer and as a reader. So, you know, as a reading, as a reader, I was just enjoying and, and caught up in the story and the twists and turns, but reading as a writer, I just couldn't stop thinking, but how did Hannah do this? How did she keep all of this straight? Cause this was so much, it was so much to keep straight. So I'm glad yes. for your concession. <laughs> as, oh as yes, and my editor know that was it wasn't, tremendous as well. It wasn't as easy as you made it look. No, no, <laughs> but, no, it wasn't. It really wasn't. And my edit, I remember sending it when I sent Sister Dear to my editor. I felt confident that it was a good first draft for her. It wasn't my first draft, but first draft for her. When I sent her, you will remember me. I wasn't confident, and I remember saying to her, "There are issues uh, with the manuscript, but I, I can't figure out." what and how what and where are. can you can you please help me but interestingly the one I, the one i've written for next year the one i'm editing that one now that one was probably the easiest of them all and i have no uh, idea why 
it's so odd. It's just, and the next one will probably be awful again, you know? Right. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Well, all right, hold on. We're going to talk about your next one in a minute, but I first, I want to talk about, because we always talk about, because this is, I know how this book ends. We always talk about the ending, but totally spoiler free. We're not going to give away the ending, but there is a really great ending to the story. I love the ending of the story. And and because I know you're a big outliner, I couldn't help but think, okay, was this the ending that you handed in? Did you always know how it was going to end? Did the ending change during the editorial process? Tell us about that without giving away the ending, of course. Without giving away the ending. So when I sent the outline to my editor, I had three endings in Ah. mind. I had three, three different directions that it could go in. And I remember asking her, I said, how dark can I go? And she said, as dark as you want, as evil as you want, as Machiavellian as you want, because we can always rein it in if it's too much. It's not a problem. Yeah. So, so you picked three options, door number three. I picked, yeah, I picked door number three <laughs> and it didn't, that was my preferred one and, yeah. and hers too. And it didn't change. Actually, the last chapter, I'd say out of out of the last third of the book, because the, the last third of it, I really took back to the studs, but not the last chapter. That pretty well stayed untouched, apart from an edit here and there, you know, small things. Um, so, oh, yeah, that so was fun. That was my editor. She's she's always game for a, a dark Machiavellian ending. She's she's great. I love her. Emily, she's brilliant. I'm glad. Sister Dear also had a similarly dark ending, which I just, I just love. I love that you can do that and that you can take those risks. And I, and I loved the ending of this book for sure. I I just thought it was a fabulously done book. Yeah. Is you, you you. said that you're handed into your editor still with some, you know, maybe question marks and some pieces that you were going to evolve. Is your editor always the first one to read your manuscript? Do you ever have any other readers, beta readers, friends, Anyone else that reads your manuscript before you hand it in? Uh, so for you will remember me, Alex Brady, so AF Brady, who is oh, yes. also an author. Yeah, Alex. She, I was asking her some questions about opioids because she's a, a, a psychologist and yeah. she knows about addiction and has treated people with addiction. And so I asked her and she offered to read it. And that was brilliant because she pointed out all the things I got wrong, which was fantastic. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> it was so helpful. And and one of the funny things was she said, they drink an awful lot of tea. Why, <laughs> why do they keep drinking tea? So I changed it. I changed it to booze. And then my, my editor said, they drink an awful lot of booze. <laughs> so I got from one extreme to the other. So I kind of got them back in the middle a little bit where they're not just drinking tea or just getting drunk. So yeah, That's not that so they great. drunk, but yeah, it was, this it is was a quite new, funny. This could be a new drinking game for your books. Every time they drink tea. <laughs> you drink tea, yeah. <laughs> to, you a have shot. to have a shot. Yeah. Oh dear, that was funny. It was, uh, so Alex read that one. And so it really, it really depends on, I think Sister Dear, nobody saw it before my editor did. Generally it's my editor also because I'm writing a book a year, so it's at a feral yeah. clip. And having to say to somebody, well, could you read this and give me feedback? But by the day after tomorrow is maybe a bit unfair. So generally it's my editor, but if I can squeeze somebody in there, like and Alex offered, and she was she was instrumental in in how the manuscript shaped up in the end, definitely. Oh, that's that is so fun. Writers are mm-hmm. such generous people, aren't they, for the most part, though? I just think yes. that 
the writing community is so, and and we're going to talk about something amazing that you've done from and with the writing community. But first, I do want to talk, you've alluded a little bit to what you're working on now, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. So um, we don't, we have a working title, but it's, it might change. So I'll forego that. But next year, so 2022's book is um, from a man's point of view, which I've done once before uh, and always interesting. But this time around, it's from a anti-hero's point of view. So my protagonist, Ah. Lucas, he has uh, hired a hitman to dispose of his wife and she's and make it look like an abduction. She's been missing for a month and he's ready to cash in. And then a partial photograph of her shows up on his doorstep. Oh, so, how fun. Ooh, yeah. So who is sending these pictures? What do they know? And what are they going to do? Um, so that's that's the one. I'm, and I'm really excited about that one. It, it's fun. It made me laugh oh, a lot. I'm excited so. too. Oh, that's so <laughs> wonderful. Will you, do you think you will always write domestic suspense or suspense in some form? I don't know. I mean, sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes I think, oh, it'd be nice to, because I do enjoy reading, reading other genres. But whenever I'm, I'm, I'm reading something lighter, like a rom-com or something, I think, oh, but what if he, she, they died? You know, it's just, yeah. I don't know why <laughs> my brain goes that way. Right. It's just, it's <laughs> awful. Would, would you ever write romance again, do you think? I don't know. I, I feel the same way. Sometimes when I read a really well read, you know, well-written, like smart, fun romance that you dig into and I think, oh, I want to do this. And then, but I think the same thing. I, I end up, you know, plotting <laughs> them against people. each other and they end up killing each other in my brain somehow. And, exactly. then, and then I feel like that probably isn't going to fit. <laughs> I think that's true. It's just, it's maybe that's how we're, how we're wired now is we're just, yeah. Uh, taking out our frustrations on our characters and, and, right. and you know, and historical fiction, I love reading historical fiction, but what scares me is, is the research, right? I can research yeah. killing people and hiding bodies and, and talk. And I love doing that. And I love doing that. That sounds really weird. I love talking I to love doing that. The, the police detectives and the forensics uh, scientists and whatnot to, to figure all of that out. But historical fiction you know the clothes and the language oh. and the the oof, I, would you ever tackle that I don't know no I that I would not because that to me feels too much like going back to practicing law like that is just so heavy oh. and research intensive and I feel like I love to read it agreed I love to read it and I'm always so impressed by the work that has to go in before the writing part of historical fiction, but I like to just dive right into the writing and I like to forgo all, I mean, you know, obviously there's always research, but I like to forgo the historical context research. So I think that's interesting. I mean, listen, I love to read it all, but you know, often we're going to gravitate towards one particular genre over another, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if, if, if I wrote romance again, uh, or something like it would more than likely be under a different name, I suppose. Uh, otherwise, yeah. people might get confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why agreed. is she not killing people? You know, why, why right. hasn't why haven't they died yet? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, they would. They wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to relax reading your next yeah. romance novel for sure. I'd be on edge the whole time waiting for something really dark to happen. <laughs> 
so you'd have to write it under a pen name I know (laughs) yes yes I think so yes yes indeed (laughs) so so we need to talk about something really amazing that that you've been part of right around this time last year when the world was shutting down I know I was on a group chat with you and a lot of other writers and you threw out this really brilliant seemingly simple proposal to start reading you know a fellow writer's first chapters and a bunch of us signed on for we were super excited at the idea of you reading the first chapters of our books we all had a lot of us had books that were just coming out on the eve of the the shutdown and we were all think trying to think of new ways to market our books and trying to think of new ways to help our friends market their books uh, you know in the context of the shutdown and you had this really brilliant idea to um, read first chapters and you were going to do it for just what a couple of weeks maybe for fun because <laughs> you know why not so tell us a little bit about how that seemingly simple proposal turned into something much much bigger and it's called first chapter fun it it, it did turn into something much bigger and I found that the the thread that we were on in Messenger, in Facebook Messenger, and I think there were 14 of us or something in this thread. Yeah. Um, something like that. And about 7, 7.15 p.m. on March 16th, 2020, uh-huh. I said, how about I read the first chapter of your books online? And people such as yourself said, yeah, that'd be great. Sounds great. Okay. And so I did the very next day at 11.30. We had a graphic and everything was done. It was, I, I didn't realize it was, I thought there was maybe a couple of days, but no, it was 7.15 p.m. The idea got thrown, got floated. And 11.30 the next day I read. And I had right, no idea it was, it was that fast. Yeah, so it, was, funny. it was ridiculous. And it was supposed to be from March 17th for a couple of weeks. And then I added more and more authors, ended up until... Uh, May the 8th and I was going to stop then because Sister Dear was coming out May 26th and and my publisher expects me to write books (laughs) so (laughs) you know I had to I had to get working but it was such a fantastic distraction from what was going on in the world because I'd been obsessively watching the news and that took that away because I didn't have time anymore it was it I was reading every day prepping every day and there's prep work that goes into it I don't just read the the first chapters cold I'd practice them and make sure I had the graphics and everything Mm -hmm. was set up on technology side and so after a couple of weeks Hank Philippi Ryan fellow crime author she wrote a comment on one of the posts about what a great idea it was and so I contacted her and said would you would you like me to read for you and she said yes and what are you doing after May the eighth? Are you are you going to stop this, or what? You can't stop it. You must you must continue. This is great. And at first, I wasn't going to because I mean, reading every day was it was a lot, and it was every day. It was it, it was seven yeah. days a week. It was it was every yeah. day. But I would have my twist- alarm set every day. Wait yeah, for your yeah, yeah. her next first chapter. Yeah, and it was it was it was it was so lovely because the audience kept growing, and she convinced me to to team up with her and to read twice a week. So now we read every Tuesday and Thursday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. And mm-hmm. um, every, so twice a week, it's it's a different, different author, different books. Some of them are, some of them have just been published. Some of them have been published maybe a few months ago. We've had one actually that was the very first in a series, I think from 2005, which is really interesting to do. And we have readings scheduled until, oh my goodness, December. I think we've actually booked one in January as well, which is is bananas. 
Uh, and we're just going to we're just going to keep going. So on the Facebook, it's a Facebook group, First Chapter Fun, and an Instagram uh, account that you can follow, First Chapter Fun. And we post the videos, so the entire backlog is there. Everybody can go and watch the archive as they wish. One hundred and forty-six episodes, or however many it is. And we're just going to continue adding on. We've added on, say, um, fun facts for the authors and fun facts about the books. And the authors do five fun fact videos where they share five things about the book. And it's become this community where people can either watch live twice a week, half an hour each time, uh, or watch the, the videos later on. And it's it's grown. I mean, we have two, I think, 2,700 members on Facebook now and uh, 11 or 1200 followers on Instagram and it just keeps growing. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. amazing. It mm-hmm. is amazing. I love it. We, we have something else fun in common. First chapter fun and the book club that was the predecessor yes. for this podcast were on the book trip list of top virtual book events for 2020. So yes. I love being yes. in that company yes. with you. It was, um, you know, it was a, it was a crazy time where we had to be creative about the things that we you know, the book events and the the ways we got our stories out to our readers and the way we connected with our readers. And, you know, so some of that is having some lingering effects and, and I'm thrilled to see it. I'm thrilled to see the reception for first chapter fun. And I'm thrilled to see that you're still continuing it and and that we'll get to still enjoy it in 2022. So that's, that's good news. That's great. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Your your book club, was that, was that a product of the pandemic as well? Was that a a COVID baby? It was, wasn't it? It was. And it started the same way. I was doing it weekly in the beginning and I was only going to do it Mm -hmm. weekly through June. And then because there was some excitement and demand for it back, I did a special four-part event in 2021, but you know, now the podcast has sort of taken its place, which is really exciting, but yeah, it's it's just a really, you know, we all had to kind of stretch our creative imaginations a little bit and think of new ways to connect. And it's been exciting to see people respond. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, I think the pandemic, uh, the pandemic is responsible for a lot of bad things, obviously. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But on the other hand, I think Mm -hmm. it, it has, it has spawned things like, the, your I know how the sense book club and first chapter fun that otherwise may not have come to be. Um, so for yeah, that, I'm I'm really grateful. I am too, and also for, I think from a reader point of view, there is sort of this like unprecedented access to a lot of authors. And as a reader, you know, and as a as a fan of a lot of writers that I wouldn't necessarily have even gotten to see or experience in 2021 because of geography, you know, now we can sort of we can go to virtual events and participate in live events that we wouldn't have gotten to otherwise. So there'll be some yes. of that I think that will linger after. After the oh, world reopens, so. for sure. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope so too. I hope so. I really do because the, there's the the, bre- the the reach is so much broader. Yeah. And geography isn't isn't a problem. You know, you might have a a live event for an author that you think, oh, I'd love to go to that, but oh, yeah. it's a two hour drive. I can't make it. Um, and if Correct. it's online, so you can. So I'm hoping that it'll be a hybrid that they will certainly personally. I intend on still holding and have a lot actually a virtual event set up for you will remember yeah. but next year when the next one comes out I'll be doing virtual events as well as as long as long as people attend I'll do them yes 
<laughs> yes, I'm with you. I know. I want to see a hybrid too. I want to, I definitely yeah. want to be live. I want to be in bookstores again. I want to see people again. I want to hug people again, but definitely, you know, virtual events, I hope are here to stay because they just really broaden the reach and the connection. Hannah, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for talking with me. You will remember me. Tell me the pub date. Got was lucky enough to get an advanced copy, but the pub date is May 25th. Is that right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. And everyone can find you at um, hannahmarymckinnon.com? Yep, hannahmarymckinnon.com. Same on Facebook and Instagram, but on Twitter, I'm Hannah M. McKinnon because Hannah Mary McKinnon's too long. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't like it, so. I love it. Thank you so much. And everyone run out and pre-order your copy of You Will Remember Me. It's definitely my favorite of your books so far and I love them all. So that's definitely saying something. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you, Amy. It's been a pleasure, truly. Thank you very, very much. 